This week on Just Like That, the number one Mike Goldberg-inspired podcast on the planet. We will recap UFC Fight Night, Santos vs. Walker, hit you with our segments, Isn't He Awesome, and Real World Callouts. And last but not least, we'll preview UFC Fight Night, Dern vs. Rodriguez. Here we go. Here we go. Welcome to another episode of Just Like That. We got a fight night recap, a fight night preview, some uh, fights to discuss here coming up. Uh, we stayed hot again. Another good week of uh, picks. I don't know what, do you know what we went last week? Uh, something got one or two uh, wrong this time, but pretty hot yeah. overall, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, we had three. W- Three right, one wrong, and a no contest. All right, not bad. Stayed hot there. Um, but we'll uh, we'll wait just a minute to discuss our fights and our picks um, because we'll start things off like we always do with our MMA take of the week. So, Ryan, as always, take us away. All right, this week, take of the week. So I see a lot of people, uh, you know, kind of divided on what, should happen with John Jones is after his most uh, recent punishment, but or after his most recent run and altercation. And I mean, I I don't get the people that are on the side of John Jones should be cut from the UFC. I mean, it, it doesn't make any sense. It'd be the opposite of a punishment, really. Like, uh, so you're telling me you want to punish one of the most like eligible or sought after stars in combat sports by cutting him from the UFC? And uh, basically letting him go into free agency to, uh, and I, you know, probably make an insane payday as well as like get out of the UFC and go do whatever he wants. He could, you know, go box somebody probably for fifty yeah. million dollars or something. Who knows? I mean, he could basically anything's open for him if he if he gets cut from the UFC. I mean, and on top of that, do you really think the UFC is going to cut John Jones? It would make no sense business wise. It really wouldn't be a punishment. And, um, yeah, it would just be, it'd just be idiotic. He's already dragged the name, their name through the mud this far, as far as all the things he has already gotten in trouble for and whatnot. So why would, I don't know. It's just like a knee jerk reaction. Like they got to punish him by cutting him. If anything, like we said last time, last, was that last week? Probably. Basically they're just going to slap, probably slap some kind of suspension on him if they even do that. And honestly, what, I mean, he's not planning on fighting for a long time. So, what does a uh, what does a suspension really do? So, yeah, that's what I wonder. Like, when are what are we gonna see John Jones in next? Like, I mean, I get it, he's kind of got a hang up here, but I don't think it's that big of a hang up, honestly. And uh, just from what we've seen them do in the past, when John Jones has gotten into trouble, um, so I mean, I, I wonder what his next fight is gonna be. If he's gonna go to two hundred five, if he's actually gonna go up to heavyweight, it doesn't seem like the UFC has any interest in, in paying him what he wants to go to heavyweight. And, you know, with his most recent run with the law, I don't think he, he gained any negotiating power there either. No, if anything, they got him closer to where they want him than ever before. So if anything, exactly. it works in their favor. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. Hard tell. Uh, it's weird with John Jones how fast stuff blows over, too, to be honest. Oh yeah, no. But as soon as they announce a fight for him, nobody will nobody will care. Everybody will move on. Yeah, hitting hitting a pregnant lady with your car and then running away from the scene is still probably 
probably the worst thing he's done, and he bounced back from that like nothing. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if you can, if you can get away with that, and I, I don't, I don't remember if there was what the punishment was, if there was a punishment at all from the UFC for that. But uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think uh, headbutting a police car and a little domestic violence going to slow him down in the UFC. Yes. Just to be clear, we denounce his behavior, but uh, don't think he's getting cut, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, we don't we don't support John Jones's uh, John Jones behavior here, but we're just speaking on what we think is going to UFC is going to do. Obviously, the UFC may may or may not support that kind of behavior, <laughs> judging by what they've done in the past. But just like that podcast, absolutely does not. We've we've yeah, well, given them a six month month suspension from this being a John Jones podcast, so we act faster true. than the UFC on this. That's a hundred percent true. Yeah. So, After this, we'll we won't talk about him again until six months is up. Or somebody's got to have or, some integrity. Yeah. Exactly. All right then. All right. I'll move on to mine. Uh, always love having the goat John Jones on the podcast. But um, my take this week: uh, UFC finally used replay correctly, and I know uh, a lot of people are also divided on this. But uh, weird. Weird replay interaction, which we'll discuss further uh, when we talk about the fight. Um, Kevin Holland and Chris Dock or Kyle Dawkins. But we've been isn't this what we've been calling for forever? Just use the monitors, get the call right. Like I'm not saying they got it exactly right because if they got it exactly right, they would have stopped it when he the headbutt dropped him. Um, but they used the monitors and they got the right call, and uh, it seems like people still aren't quite happy because they. Um, I don't know, just kind of a weird sequence. I guess there's might as well lay it out. Kyle Dawkins and uh, Kevin Holland had clashed heads very hard. Dawkins's forehead looked like it hit Holland's temple. Dropped him out cold for a good second. He fell flat face first on the ground. But when Dawkins followed him to the ground to try to like put him out for good, he fought back and he got out of it, but he put himself in a bad position that led to him getting submitted. Mergliata didn't stop the fight, but he did put his hand up to do the uh, the check the replay type uh, whatever signal. So they put it under official review. Originally, it was a submission win for Dawkins. Ended up turning into a no contest. They're going to fight again. Uh, they just signed it today. They're going to fight uh, November 13th, I think. So they both get paid. They get to fight again, so they get paid twice, and uh, I think everybody wins. Uh, what were your thoughts on that uh, whole situation? Yeah, I mean, I think we got the uh, the right result, but uh, probably went about it a little bit the wrong way. Um, I mean, it, it clearly was, um, you know, an illegal clash of heads, and the fight should have been stopped when it happened. Uh, but, you know, Dan Mergliata didn't for some reason, and I think, uh, you know, he kind of really dropped the ball on this one. John Anik yeah. has a theory after he watched it back. John Anik thinks that which I think I kind of side with him now. He thinks that Dan Mergliata didn't see the headbutt initially. And he only, he said it was about five to seven seconds or something until from the clash of heads to when Dan Mergliata signaled for the replay. He thinks that Dan Mergliata realized it was a clash of heads from DC and the broadcast team talking about it. Um, because it's in the apex, small small place. You can hear everything that happens in there. So he thinks he didn't see it, which is why I didn't stop it. Heard them saying it was a clash of heads, signaled for the replay. And, you know, then he should have, as soon as he 
you know, was aware that it was a clash of heads. He should have stopped it five whenever he signaled for the replay, but he didn't because Kevin Holland was fighting back at that point. So let it go on. Uh, Kyle Dawkins gets a submission, then they review it, and you know, clearly it's a clash of heads. It was kind of crazy though. Dan Mergliata still wanted to give Kyle Dawkins the submission yeah. win, but then they and Herb, uh, Herb stepped in there. Yeah, Herb stepped in and basically told him that that's not the way to go. I, and Sean Shelby was in there giving he his opinion. He should not have been like, in there. No, that should be that should be in the rules. Like you should not have matchmakers in there giving their opinion on what they should do um, in a situation like this. They should all be on the refs or the commission or whoever. Um, the last people we need is, is Dana and, and Sean Shelby <laughs> in there just t- giving their two cents on what needs to be done. Um, yeah, but I really do think uh, Dan Mergley, I really dropped the ball on this one. It should have been stopped immediately. I mean, it, so you get get this straight. So. You have an illegal illegal strike, basically, an illegal clash of heads. It wasn't an intentional headbutt by Kyle Dawkins or anything, but it was a legal clash of heads. He gets dropped, knocked out cold, and he fights back so you don't stop it. Since when does someone get kicked in the balls, poked in the eye, or any other illegal strike, or need uh, a need to a downed opponent, um, and you just keep the fight going because they fought back like that's the complete wrong call which makes me think he probably didn't see it actually at the beginning because I mean you stop the fight even if you know when you signal for replay you stop the fight because at at the very minimum Kevin Holland should get five minutes to recover like but you don't do that because just because he started fighting back so it's okay to you know throw an illegal strike if your opponent fights back right away like that's insane like I don't know what Mergliotta was thinking like it's automatically whether you're replaying it whether anything's happening like that's time to you know stop the fight and give Kevin Holland his five second or five minutes to recover because that's what you do when there's uh, something illegal happens and uh, that didn't happen so I don't know why Dan Murray I was just trying to say well I, you know I saw it and then I, but I saw him fighting back so I kept it going but no like that's that's the wrong call to begin with and that's where everything else stems for from you know the whole situation I think yeah he basically got knocked out and choked out in the same round which was not quite necessary. But um, I guess if he didn't, I, I I could see it happening so fast though that you're like, was that a punch or a headbutt that did that dropped him? Because you don't want to stop a guy who just who just dropped a guy. I mean, the biggest moment of the fight, let's say it was a short hook or something that got him, and it wasn't a headbutt, and you or you didn't see for sure. I can kind of see not stopping it or kind of like letting it go because um, you don't want to jump in there when it, like you get kicked in the in the nuts. Everyone like everybody stops when that happens, or you get poked in the eye. We've seen some guys, but it's not like a, you don't get dropped by those shots unless you're uh, when, like when Ed Herman faked a, faked a nut shot when he got dropped with a body shot, but that's the only time I've ever seen that. But I, I guess I guess if he missed it, he let it play out, and uh, I don't know. It was just weird. It just seemed like unprecedented uh, circumstances. Yeah, but the reason they instituted the replay now is for this exact situation, you know? Like, you're unsure if it was a clash of heads or if it was a if it was a punch. You stop it, you go to replay, and now they're allowed to start the fight back up, I believe, once it goes to replay. Yeah, if I am so. mistaken. So, like, before, if you stopped it, the fight was over, right? Yeah. I, I believe that was how it was. But we got we have the replay so we can stop the fight, take a look, and then restart it if necessary or end the fight if needed. So, I mean, this is why they have it. So I don't know why they wouldn't stop it, take a look real quick. It could have been done. It was such a clear foul. It would have took taken five seconds to review it. And if it wasn't, they could have got the fight back going within like 30 seconds probably. So, I mean, definitely, I, I think they really dropped the ball on not, not stopping it. 
figuring out what was going on and, and going from there. Yeah, I, I, I thought they were going to, and maybe this is because we picked Kevin Hall. I thought they were going to make the wrong, I thought they were going to go through with the submission win. I mean, all things all things considered, they I think they made the right call in the end. Um, do you think the fight would be kind of compromised, though, if, uh, I mean, he got knocked out pretty bad, had possible concussion, and then you got to start the fight back up from an accidental headbutt? Is the- yeah, I mean, I, I I don't know what would uh, what would happen because yeah, he did get knocked out. It's very clear. I don't know if you know. I think Kevin Holland would have wanted to keep fighting most likely because um, he was recovering pretty quick. It seemed like, but he yeah. still was obviously. I don't think Kevin Holland gets submitted there in the first round if uh, if that didn't happen to begin with. So, no, for sure. Um, yeah, it's definitely a weird thing, uh, but. Yeah, I I just think they really they really dropped the ball. They fumbled it this one, and uh, yeah, they need to uh, you know be more in line of what the whole process is for the replay. And if it's like Dan Mergliata's not stopping the fight, like once you know maybe like somebody from outside the cage has to be like, hey Dan, you got to stop. You know, someone has to stop the fight basically if Mergliata's not doing it when the replay gets called and and they can see everybody sees that it's a clash of heads. You know. Yeah, I, I think that's I think that's probably. That's probably the right solution there, what you just said, to have have somebody call a foul and, you know, jump in there real quick. So, so yeah, I mean, I guess I guess at the end of the day, I'm I think it was a good. I, I think they they it was just a first of all a very weird situation, but I think they got it right in the end, and I think it's a uh, overall it benefits everybody because they get paid for this fight, and now they're going to get another fight in a month, and I don't really think. I mean, other than having a couple minutes of ring time together, I don't think that. Uh, I mean, I think the odds will be a little different, but I don't think. Uh, I don't think too much will change. So, uh, I think it works out for everybody in the end. Yeah, definitely. All right, then we'll move on to our uh, our recap here, and uh, we'll get to that one next. We'll start off with our main event. We had a uh, a fight that was supposed to be fireworks. It doesn't seem like whenever it's uh, the fight is uh, you know a guaranteed guaranteed banger that that's those are always the ones that end up being snooze fests and this one i would say was a uh bit of a snoozer tiago santos johnny walker um we had the right pick here i don't know if either of us picked it to go the distance and uh, i know neither of us picked it to land like what under 20 strikes each or whatever but that's where we were at i think they got the decision right i think it was pretty clearly tiago santos won the fight i think tiago santos is the better fighter Johnny Walker looks like a completely different guy. Don't know what's going on with him, but um, not much to say here. Just not a real exciting fight. And But uh, uh, if you're Tiago Santos, I think you take the win and you're happy with it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like you said, I think it's when it's like a, when everybody's guaranteeing like an absolute war at like 205 in heavyweight, a lot of times it ends up being a snooze fest. But I think when, you know, the wars with the smaller, like the lighter weights, they end up being wars, you know. It's these guys, they get it, I think they start listening to the hype. Um, they get a little too gun shy because, you know, they're hearing everywhere, like this is going to be insane, like someone's going to get knocked out. And first then they, guy to land. Yeah, first guy to land. So then they're like really timid when they're in there. So, you know, I think they let it get to them sometimes. And then, you know, they end up being way more timid than they should be. Um, you know, Johnny Walker, kind of a huge disappointment in this fight. Like he went from, you know, just being a complete wild man to just, uh, com- completely the opposite here in this fight. And it, it cost him the fight. He, I think he probably could have won. He would have won this fight. I think yeah. if he would have, uh, even done half of what he usually does, but, um, you know, just, uh, 
sitting back and uh, really not doing anything really cost him this fight. And Tiago Santos, well, he didn't do much more. He did, he did do more, and he, he got the win. And, yeah, I think he deserved it. Yeah, I'm with you there. Um, Kevin Holland, Kyle Dawkins, we talked about this one quite a bit. Uh, so we already know the result, no contest. Um, they're fighting again in November. Just wanted to point out, I think this, I don't remember what the exact line was on this. Um, Kevin Holland was a slight favorite. might have been like minus 150 or whatever. I think that's going to change next time they fight. I felt I didn't realize how big Kyle Dawkins was compared to Kevin Holland, and he was actually landing in the stand-up quite a bit. Um, couldn't get didn't get the takedown. Didn't land the takedown, but he uh, he looked like he had him. You know, he looked like he had a jujitsu advantage, and it, he looked like he was holding his ground a lot better in the striking than I expected. So I expect it to be closer to an even even uh, even line next time they fight. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, maybe a little bit closer to even, but I mean, I, I still think, I mean, I don't know. We didn't get to see much, right? Yeah. So we don't really know. We didn't see much before of the clash of heads. So it's kind of hard to say which way this fight was going, uh, prior to it. You know, Kevin Holland, he, he's kind of a wild man. You never really know where he's going. I mean, he's a guy who like, look what he did to Jacare when Jacare was, had top control. I mean, he can throw strikes from any angle. It's really just a matter of which Kevin Holland's going to show up in there. So, I mean, I, I, I wouldn't put the odds that two different next time they fight although i think they will be uh, i think people will be if they don't open differently from the books then i think people will be uh steaming kyle docks a little bit yes yeah, so there's value there's definitely value there um if you're still back in kevin holland and i have no problem with back still back in kevin holland i was just the stand-up was a little closer than i expected although we didn't see a whole lot of it yeah and i mean we'll see how what kyle docks can do over three rounds too you know yeah um so once Kevin Holland kind of gets range, he's a guy that kind of needs to find his range. He's a little bit longer, lengthier guy. So, um, yeah, we'll see. It'll be interesting. Yeah, for sure. Um, Alex Oliveira versus Nico Price. This was one we were on. Nico Price, pretty big, ended up being uh, pretty – had to sweat this one out quite a bit. Um, I think it was 1-1 going into the third round. Both guys looked super gassed. I thought Alex Oliveira actually looked better, than, way better than he has in his past two fights and better than he's looked in his past – I don't know, three, four, five fights, honestly. Um, he was ready to bang against Nico Price. Nico Price, obviously a wild man too, um, but Nico Price got the win. Also, rightfully so, finished the fight strong. It was a sweat, though. I don't think he really won it by all that much. Um, we both took him at with a, to win by uh, finish, or TKO, KO, plus 175. Didn't get that. Um if he doesn't get it in the first round or two, he's usually pretty tired too. So, but finished the fight strong. Uh, got it right. Not going to apologize for that. But it was a little more of a sweat than I thought. Yeah, hundred percent. And when I was watching it, I couldn't tell if it was that Alex Oliveira looked better than he has recently, or that Nico Price looked worse. Than I thought he, he looked recently. horrible. Yeah. Yeah, I thought he looked. I thought he looked really bad. I mean, Alex Oliveira, he always looks like he's. I mean, there has been a few fights where he just looked like he. He didn't want to be there whatsoever. But for the most part, he looks good in the first and half of the second. He just tires fast sometimes. And, uh, yeah, I mean, he used to have three-round cardio for sure. Lately, we've seen him kind of on a downswing. But, uh, yeah, he looked, he looked decent in this fight. I, I, and I was pretty nervous. I had Nico Price in this one in our in our league. And I had Jocko in the next fight, too. Those were my two picks. And both of them, I was, I was sweating going to the uh, judges' scorecards. But I uh, ended up banking them both, so... Yeah, you can't complain. Yeah, for sure. Why was Alex Oliveira crying so much before he entered the octagon? Does anyone know? 
I don't know. It, that is kind of weird. Um, I have no clue. Uh, what would be? What could be the possible? I can't even think of anything. Can you? He was bawling his eyes out. Maybe this was, you know, he's lost quite a few fights as of recently. Maybe this was like, uh, maybe his job was on the line kind of in this one. I don't know. Maybe they told him, like, if you go out there and just completely suck again, we're going to cut you or something. Yeah, uh, maybe it was, uh, maybe he was just sad that Betch Cohea's career was over. Yeah, who wasn't? <laughs> oh, man. Um, anyhow, anyhow, yeah, Nico Price got the win. That was a, that was a sweat, but we uh, we pulled it off. We stayed hot. We've been getting a lot of good breaks in our picks, and uh, this was another one. So I was happy to have it. Uh, Misha Serkinov, Christoph Jocko, Misha Serkinov dropping down to 185. Kristoff uh, Jocko, first time we've seen him in a he's been out a while. This was a uh, Jocko decision win. Pretty good fight. I don't know. It, uh, I felt like clear winner for Jocko. Maybe there were some people that just. Uh, just thought it uh thought Serkinov did a little more. I don't know. I I felt like this was a clear cut Jocko win. Not even really much to say. I don't really know if he looked great. I don't know if Serkinov looked bad. I don't know. Um, but it was a uh, a good win for you, I guess. I didn't really have anything on this one. I did have Jocko in a couple parlays though. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't bad. I mean, I thought it was pretty close. I thought this one could have gone either way, honestly. Uh, but this is one that I, I was kind of doing some other stuff during it, so I wasn't watching it incredibly closely, but I thought Misha Serkinov looked pretty good for dropping to 185. He looked big, he looked strong in there, um, but, you know, Jocko was able to keep up with them and just kind of edge it out in the end. Uh, so, yeah, it was a decent fight, but uh, just kind of like most of the fights on this card, it didn't really live up to uh, expectations, really. I mean, pretty much every fight I thought was uh, going to be better than it was <laughs> on this card. Yeah, and that's what they say with these uh, these fight nights. Usually, usually it's the opposite. Well, this week was a prime example. Is coming up as a prime example of a car that does not look great on paper, but you never know. when usually that's it doesn't look good on paper, and then it turns into a good card. This was one that looked like it had a lot of potential and kind of just uh, pretty much fell flat everywhere. Um, yeah, except for you know the legend, uh, Betch. <laughs> yeah, uh, she really she left it all out there. Yeah, she always does. Um, but unfortunately, her career has. Co- I thought she retired a year ago. I swear we had the same conversation a year ago. Because I, I, she did. She, she definitely did. She one hundred percent retired a year ago, and they brought her back for one more and pre- pretended like it never happened. <laughs> now I completely forgot about that. But now that you say that, I, I, I am having some deja vu over here. Yeah, it was last summer because I remember saying somebody should make a uh, best of Betch Cohea uh, like tribute video. And so far, I haven't seen that. But, um, yeah, so then the last one we got to cover, obviously, uh, Aspen Ladd fight uh, got canceled. She missed weight. Um, she was, like, falling over on the scales. It was weird scene. She really just needs to move up to 145. But uh, Joe Salaki, Jared Gordon, another grinder here. This is one that we were on the wrong side of, unfortunately. Um, looking back, I think there was more reason to pick Jared Gordon than I gave him credit for. Number one being cardio. Number two being that he has some pretty solid jujitsu credit to himself. Um, and I thought, I guess I thought Joe Selecki would be too, too much for him, um, which he really was for the first round. He mauled him first round, but there's just not much, uh, there's not many avenues if you're not going to knock Jared Gordon out. You're, you're probably not going to submit him. So Jared Gordon just out, out uh, basically just outgrinded him, and that's what Jared Gordon does. So uh, he ended up being a nice uh 
underdog play if anybody picked him, but unfortunately that was our uh, our one we got wrong. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I thought he's gonna be able to do a little bit more. Jared Gordon, though, he's just uh, just a grinder, and he he grinded this one out. So. Yep. All right, then that'll do it for our uh, our recap here. We'll move on to our segments. Um, I want to say it's my turn to go first this week for our Isney Awesome so, yeah. and our Real World Callout. Start out with our Isney Awesome. I got Dan Hooker coming off a huge win against Nazareth Hackprass. Looked uh, as good as Dan Hooker's looked in a long time. Added some extra wrestling to his game. Maybe a little feeling a little confident with his wrestling. Decided to uh, step in and take the uh, Islam Makachev fight in a month in Abu Dhabi. So stepping in on short notice to fight a guy that uh, a lot of people think is like, I don't know, the next Khabib. I'm on constant, not fade alert, but I'm, uh, I think that uh, I don't think Makachev's the next Khabib. And I actually think that this is a, um, this is a dicey fight. Uh, I think Hooker could surprise some people in this one. I think everyone's kind of anointed uh, Makachev already you know, like like the future champ of the division, and uh, you get a you get a a guy like Hooker that will uh, get into a brawl or make it make it extra extra uh, grind it out and make it a you know extra um, I don't know what the word I'm looking for here is, but he's a dog in there, and I would uh, I like his chances in this one. Yeah, extra greasy, something like yeah, that. Yeah, maybe something along those lines. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. This is I had several isn't he awesome this week. This was one of them. Uh, yeah, Dan Hooker. I think he I think he could be a problem for Islam Makachev. I mean, I think this is a real test. I'm glad we got Makachev in there versus someone who who poses some danger to him. Um, you know, Dan Hooker obviously is not going to be able to compete with him on the ground, but he did show that he has some wrestling now all of a sudden. So it looks like he's been working on that quite a bit. Um, I hope his takedown defense is up to par. But Dan Hooker is just a guy that hangman. He's so long. He throws these knees. He's got the reach. I mean, he Islam Makhchev's gonna have to be careful about when, when, and where he decides to go for these takedowns. He can't just telegraph them and uh, and go for the takedown. He's got to set him up with combinations and stuff, or he could get you know he could get caught uh, with a knee or, or who knows what when he's coming in for one of those takedowns. So this is one that definitely poses some danger for Islam Makhchev. Um, you know, I think he, I think Islam Makhchev is a fade. I mean, I think Dan Hooker could be an underdog play here. I mean, there Plus is reason to think, yeah, that Islam Makhchev is just going to put him on his back and beat it, beat him up pretty bad. But, uh, I mean, I, th- I think Dan Hooker could be live here. Yeah, and maybe it's wishful thinking, or maybe it's just that's what I hope happens. But that's uh, I don't, that's that's kind of my thought, too. Um, I just – plus just kind of, you know, just turning around everything he's been through. It, he, he made it to the fight one, one day before weigh-in or the day of weigh-ins before his last fight and then it's like now he's turning around and going straight into another fight camp pretty cool stuff um i think a lot of people they make it sound like a lot of people are scared of makachev and it's like screw it i'll fight him and uh after going three rounds with uh hack press two weeks ago so that's pretty cool um so shout out to him uh my call out this week i got sgb ireland uh coach john kavanaugh the whole crew over there uh, John, they, apparently Johnny Walker, uh, somehow ended up at SGB Ireland. I don't know. Is he one of the only, he must be one of the only active fighters out of that, out of that, uh, out of that camp now. But have you, I mean, they took everything from him. Have you ever seen a, a, a team or a camp destroy a fighter this quickly or this ruin a guy like this? I mean, first of no. all, we were, we were all suspicious because, 
you know, it's like Conor McGregor, once in a generation talent comes through. The the gym and the coach get all all the credit in the world that he's doing something fantastic. It's game plan this, it's game plan that. Conor never improves. He never uh, never grows out. I mean, he he's kind of a flash in the pan when you really think about the the whole scope of it. An amazing one, one of the greatest runs in MMA history. But now you got Johnny Walker there. Maybe he just wanted to go meet Conor McGregor, whatever it took. But and then you got John Kavanaugh telling him, "You're doing great. You're outpointing uh, Tiago Santos." What's he? T- I mean, he first of all, he wasn't outpointing him. Second of all, that's not how Johnny Walker's ever fought. And third of all, he's giving him terrible advice in the corner while he's mic'd up that we can all hear. Uh, I, I just think this this gym's getting definitely getting exposed at this point but um i don't know i feel like we did we call him out after the mcgregor loss and just say that he sounded stupid when he was talking to connor and it sounds even worse when he's talking to johnny walker another fighter i mean everything that johnny walker was known for he didn't do in this fight and then he takes a loss on top of it yeah at this point i don't know why anybody would go uh and train at sbg ireland i mean the guy john kavanaugh is a complete fraud I mean, he is single-handedly kind of just ruins careers, it seems like. I mean, I, I blame a lot of Connor's mishaps recently, in the octagon at least, on John Kavanaugh, and maybe some outside the octagon too. It I seems like he just lets Connor walk all over him, does whatever he wants. He can't. He's just a yes man who is just happy to be along for the ride, and as far as the Connor side goes, and it's just, uh, he just, I don't know, his game plans are awful. It doesn't seem like he knows what he's doing out there. Um, he just constantly is, is putting the wrong, you know, the wrong game plan, the wrong layout of how fights should go in front of fighters. I mean, even we saw Connor calling him out after the Khabib fight. I mean, they, John Kavanaugh's plan for the Khabib fight was like, basically like, we got to just train wrestling for the entire camp for two months straight. And we're going to out wrestle Khabib. We're going to be able to stop the takedowns. Uh, they didn't, it sounds like from what we kind of heard after the fight that, he basically didn't focus on striking whatsoever. Um, you know, Conor McGregor, you're not, ne- I mean, John Kevin should know this. He's never going to be able to beat Khabib by just training wrestling all the time. Like, he shouldn't be training any wrestling except for takedown defense. It should just be takedown defense, takedown defense, takedown defense, getting back up, uh, you know, getting back to the cage, getting up when you're on the ground and, and striking. Like, we got to be working on you know, throwing that counter when Khabib's trying to get the takedown and whatnot. Like, that should have been drilled just as much, if not more, than the takedown defense and getting back to your feet. Like, you know, Conor McGregor, if he's going to beat Khabib, he's going to knock him out. And you're, you know, you're severely limiting the chances of that happening by not focusing on that and focusing on situations where that knockout might come to you in training camp. So, I mean, that was just a complete awful game plan. I mean, people gave him so much credit. You know, he completely botched the first Nate Diaz fight for Connor. They gave him so much credit for the second fight. Uh, but I mean, the game plan wasn't that great either. Connor kind of blew his water early as well in that one, but he yeah. was able to just kind of sit back in that third round uh, and recover. And then he kind of was able to get, you know, the fifth round finish out strong. At least fourth was kind of a wash, but uh, I mean, I don't, I don't think that was a spectacular game plan to fight Nate Diaz either. I mean, you know, I mean, lay kicks weren't a huge thing back then, but uh you know, we saw like plenty of people come up with the perfect game plan to be- beat Nate Diaz. Like there already was a tried and true game plan out there to beat Nate Diaz and yeah. they didn't utilize that one. They still decided to strike with them, you know? So, I mean, this guy just makes bad decision after bad decision after bad decision. 
And then you get Johnny Walker. I mean, this guy, he's known for being a wild man. He's known for his knockout power um, and, and getting stuff done. And then they completely rein him in and just make him a shell of himself. Like, I mean, I get it. Like, that has caused, like, he hasn't lost that much, but his losses, that was kind of the cause of it just going too crazy too soon. But it's like you got to you gotta keep that but reining in a little bit, you know? You yeah. can't just be like, you know, you're going to be a point fighter now. Like, you got to let him be a wild man but be able to kind of keep him – you know, keep him zoned in a little bit too, you know, yep. and, and you, he just went to the extreme opposite way and it, it's just a bad call. I mean, I feel like we could be a better coach and we don't really know much about, <laughs> about coaching MMA, you know? Yeah, no, he, he didn't even give him a chance to win. Like at least if he was a wild man, he had a chance to win. Yeah. And when you're in, when you're in the, uh, the corner after round, I mean, you gotta be honest with your fighters. It, it just, there's nothing I don't like, you know, nothing I hate worse than, you know, these guys basically lying to the fighters in there in the corner, you know, like Laura Murphy's corner telling her she was, you know, winning rounds or doing excellent and whatnot, or, you know, John Cavanaugh telling Johnny Walker he's winning rounds because the rounds were close. And when you're fighting, I'm sure you can't gauge if you're just winning or just losing. So you have to rely on your corner for that information. And if you're going to say you're for sure winning the uh, the rounds and you're doing excellent, like, at, at most, you got to say that was a close round. It could go either way. Like you have to win the next one, you know, like, but, or you tell them they lost that round and they have to win the next one. You know, if it's a close round, tell them they lost and, you know, put the pressure on them to do better in the next round. But yeah, it just completely botched it. I feel like. Yeah. And I think some, a lot of the luster's worn off. Do you remember after the, after the second Dustin fight in January when uh, he said that, uh, what did he say? O'Connor was more boxing heavy and not MMA heavy, and that's why that was the problem against Dustin. It was like oh, always something like just completely out of left field. And then he's saying, telling Johnny Walker in the corner, like you're outpointing him, just like stay to the outside and keep outpointing him. It's just, yeah. Yeah, he's always got an excuse, but his excuses for why his fighters lose fight, like Connor was too boxing heavy, like. You're the fucking coach. I know, like, yeah. You should have known that before the goddamn fight, not after. Looking back, we were too boxing heavy uh, for this fight versus Poirier. Well, like, no shit, dude. You should have known that before the goddamn fight. That's what you're paid for. You're not paid to just tell Connor he's doing a great job, which is, uh, that that's like the role that he's like put himself into is just to be a yes man and a cheerleader out there, not a damn coach, you know? I think you're spot on. You, uh, I started the call, and I think you finished it better than, uh, better than I would have, so... That's my call out. Um, I think we've called him out before, but I I think I think uh, may not may may not hear as much from them going forward, especially if they lose their next best prospect, Johnny Walker. Yeah, I mean, if Connor knew it was good for him, I mean, he really can't do this because of how much he's talked shit about people being traders and trade <laughs> changing cap, camps, especially with the Dillashaw situation. But I mean, if he knew what it was good for him, he would just you know kind of just eat it on that and, and go to a new camp because uh For you know sure. if he is going to ever return to his former greatness it's not going to be with SBG Ireland it's not going to be with John Cavanaugh and uh you know at at worst he should at least partially train somewhere else and kind of go back and forth but uh yeah I mean he's gonna need to leave if he wants to make something happen yeah same, same with Johnny Walker if you ask me if after that performance yeah I don't think he's gonna be there for long Shouldn't be, but we will see. So who do you got this week for your uh, Isn't He Awesome and your call-out? Isn't He Awesome, our man, you know, just the boss, B. 
PJ Penn. We're uh, we're giving the isn't he awesome this week? I don't oh, know yeah. if you heard, if you read oh, w- yeah. what he's in the news for recently. So he recently hinted to the media that uh, he plans to run for the uh, governor of his home state of o- Hawaii. So I mean, th- I, you just got to give the guy props for this. He's been, you know, dragged down. He's been beaten, been bruised, he's been beat up. He's gotten his face kicked in. He's drowned in wave pools. Sucked and into came a out surfing the other side. Yeah, and uh, and he still has his uh, his dream set at you know the highest level. He's going for governor, and I wouldn't be surprised if he makes a, a presidential run after that. After he, uh, you know, completely brings back Hawaii from the uh, the brink of COVID destruction, I guess. So, uh, yeah, he's big uh, on opening Hawaii back up and and getting the the beautiful land of Hawaii back and uh, running and getting the you know, the tourism dollars back in. And, uh, you know, I mean, I think it would be absolutely insane if he won. But, you know, these days in politics, I mean, who knows? We had Tito Ortiz was the mayor of Newport Beach just recently. So is it so crazy that, uh, you know, BJ Penn would become the governor of Hawaii possibly? I don't think it's crazy at all. No. I mean, he is. No, it's he crazy. Was like the most. But I don't think it's impossible. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I I don't really know if it's plausible, but it is absolutely absolutely insane. I mean, I, I maybe a few less uh, run-ins with law and fights in bars, and he might have a real chance. I mean, he was, you know, at the time the prodigy. He was just like the uh, he was huge in Hawaii. Like they considered taking fights to Hawaii, even though they don't really have a good place to ho- hold them. When he was at his former, you know, top of the UFC, but uh, yeah, I mean, he's been on a drastic downward spiral but maybe this is what he he needs to get back on his feet he needs a little responsibility uh for the for the state of hawaii yeah first first of all lovely state second of all you never know how much influence a guy like that still has there so um yeah it'd be awesome I, well i don't know if it'd be awesome it'd be hilarious yeah yeah we might we might you know who knows how hawaii would end up after that i mean his reign as governor could end up could make it worse than the current situation but i mean you never know you never know Get it back to the King Kamehameha days and then BJ Penn running that. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to see. Yeah, I saw that today. Um, he's already a busy man running BJPenn.com and uh, keeping up with all his uh, extracurriculars. All right, but anyways, I'll move on to my call out. Um, you know, usually he's on my Isn't He Awesome? Still still love him, still got a lot of respect from but uh, Joe Rogan, we got the call out on this week. Um I don't know if you saw it. I think I forget which podcast it was. I think he might have been talking to Burt Kreischer or maybe it was the Tom Segura. I don't know. It's one of the recent episodes anyways, but he gets choked up and almost starts crying talking about Schaub uh, and Schaub having to retire after the Travis Brown fight and how worried he was for a safety and uh, and the Schaub retiring and having to bring an MMA. He was like, literally choked up he he was on the verge of tears talking about this and it's just absolutely ridiculous i mean you punked him on your podcast to get him to retire and now you're uh you know your your eyes are welling up with tears talking about it it's, it's absolutely insane i mean this guy they got a true bromance i mean and joe you know papa rogan for uh for b shab is really just uh i guess gonna keep carrying him to the promised land of of comedy greatness well First and foremost, I don't listen to the episodes where he's. I, I haven't listened to an episode in probably three months, but or four months. But I definitely don't listen to the episodes when it's him and his comedian friends. Not that some of those guys aren't funny. A couple of them are. Very few of them are. But, um, 
Bert, Bert and uh, Bert's funny and Tom's funny, but the rest of them are not very funny. But anyway, yeah, um, I don't know what's going on with that because um, there's like a Shab's like defending Rogan because the MMA press wants Rogan out of UFC because he hasn't done the last few because I don't know if his schedule is conflicting. And then um, Rogan apparently is defending Shab. Um, even though he humiliated him in one of the greatest clips of all time on his podcast, and apparently he just uh, he's getting soft in his older age, I guess, because that yeah. did, he was not crying when he he almost had Brendan crying in that in that clip. I think he was crying. Brendan was, I think, but uh, yeah, he, he completely punked him. He, they thought it was kind of hilarious. I feel like at the time, and uh, I think it still is. It's a uh, it's a great clip, but uh, yeah, what were you saying? The MMA press wants. Joe Rogan to get pulled from the broadcast team because he missed two pay-per-views? Well, that's not why. They want him because of his stance on the COVID stuff. But th- their excuse is that, like, look at these two. We've had two pay-per-views without him now, and they're they're even better, which I completely disagree with. But they're, they're trying to, uh, you know, kind of like come in through the back door and, like, oust him. Yeah, well, then we're changing the call out to the MMA press. I mean, that's absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. Um, I mean, this guy is a legend. Dana's already said it. He's got a job as long as he wants. You know, scheduling conflicts happen. You know, I, I can't remember the last time he, he pulled out of pay-per-view. I know it was two in a row, but he had other plans. I don't know if the dates changed, and that's why. I mean, I doubt if he had the dates ahead of time, he would have scheduled stuff for him. So I'm, I'm guessing they had to switch up the the schedule, and that's that's what caused the conflict. And, uh, yeah, just the MMA press calling for him to retire would be absolutely ins- – or get fired or whatever. It's absolutely insane. I mean – the paper, the pay-per-view broadcasts are not better. They're not even close to better without Joe Rogan. Yeah, I get it. Joe Rogan isn't the most technical guy at breaking down, but he's good enough at that. And but he brings the hype. He's good. You know, he calls the fights. He he makes it interesting, engaging to watch, and uh, I think it's a big part of uh, you know making uh, pay-per-view special events. So yeah, and I, like I said, the the best part is that he's only there for the pay-per-views, but. I think this kind of flares up every it seems like this flares up like once a year it gets kind of like a little bit of steam that the the haters finally get some steam but um yeah I don't, I don't think he's going anywhere I don't think he I think he likes doing it so maybe he doesn't like the travel and stuff anymore but I don't know but yeah so kind of a mix between a call out and is he awesome but I think your call out is more directed f- towards nobody could really care about shop that much come on now yeah, for real. And, uh, yeah, I mean, the big thing about the broadcast team, I think it's chemistry. And DC and Joe Rogan by far have the best chemistry of any any two, pair, two pair, pairing of two people on any of the broadcast booths. So, um, yeah, I mean, you can't get rid of them. They, you know, they're a great team. They get it done with John Anik as well. Um, you know, it always seems like they're having a good time. I feel like viewers feel like they're having a good time, and it's not just a, like, cut-and-dry kind of uh, – commentating that you see with some of the other guys so yeah and one last thing nobody does a better job with the post-fight interviews than rogan and again like you said dc and rogan have great chemistry on the broadcast dc is terrible at interviewing in the octagon after the fight oh, so he's the awful, worst i've ever seen awful so we don't want I mean, to get to that john, point big john at bellator is not very good <laughs> i mean he's probably the worst i've ever seen but as far as ufc yeah you're right definitely it's probably dc he is awkward in there seems like he stumbles over his questions sometimes he i i don't know it's it's just not a good back and forth really when dc's in there and and rogan i don't know what it is about him i mean i guess he's 
you know, he's got a podcast, thousands of episodes. He's he a professional interviewer. All the time. So, yeah, exactly. I mean, no one better for the job than him. No, yeah, I'm with you there. All right, then we'll move on to our uh, our preview here. We have a kind of an interesting card here, and I say interesting kind of as a, in not the best terms. We have a UFC fight night. Mackenzie Dern versus uh, Marina Rodriguez is our headliner here. Let's uh, let's start from the bottom because I'm still unsure on, on where I'm going with the the main event. All right, so we'll start then from our uh, we'll start from the bottom and work our way up while you kind of go back and forth, um, make a game time decision on the main event here. Charles Rosa, Damon Jackson, two guys I'm pretty unimpressed with both ways. Um, I don't know if that's kind of taking a dig at at either of them. Charles Rosa has been around a while. Damon Jackson looks like he's been around for a really long time, um, not so long in the UFC though. Um, again, two guys I've not been super impressed with, but, uh, we got Damon Jackson minus 175, Charles Rosa plus 155. What's your lean here on this fight? Um, some good value on, uh, Charles Rosa here, who's probably been more of a, uh, consistent, um, product in the UFC. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think you said it perfectly there. I mean, I, I, I like Charles Rosa a lot in this line with this line, especially, I mean, I, I think we were looking at it earlier. It opened up like minus 102 for Rosa. So Damon Jackson was a slight favorite. I think that's probably close to where it should be. So I think plus 156 or whatever you're getting, plus 140, uh, whatever it's at now is good value here. Um, you know, we just got a Charles Rosa. Yeah, Charles Rosa, he's just, he's the definition of consistency. He's decent everywhere. His striking can hang with any of these middling guys that he's fighting, although it's not its best. He's able to get into the clinch and have his way there. He can hold his own on the ground. He gets submissions. He gets wins. So, I mean, he's pretty skilled everywhere, and I think Damon Jackson's really just a submission threat. I don't think Charles Rose has ever been submitted in the UFC. I definitely don't see Damon Jackson beating uh, Charles Rosa, you know, very, uh, I don't know what the word I'm looking for here is. I don't think he's going to beat him very strongly, at least in the uh, stand-up uh, department. I, I, I really think Charles Rosa has the advantage there. If it goes to the ground, I get Damon Jackson probably has a, an advantage on the ground, but I think Charles Rosa is going to be able to defensively hold his own there and be able to get it back to the feet when he needs to. And yeah, I think I, I like Charles Rosa in this fight quite a bit. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. I think, uh, I think Charles Rosa proved against Bryce Mitchell. He lost every round, but he he didn't get submitted. He uh, tried to put him in a twister, but it didn't work. But Damon Jackson, he's he has uh, he got he definitely has chin issues, and he got uh, he got folded up by Taporia, and uh, didn't look like his stand up was anywhere near um, sufficient against a a guy who really isn't known for his stand up. So as long as Charles Rose is adequate there, I th- I think he's definitely got a a good play for uh, an underdog. Um, Alexander Romanov versus Jared Vandera. We have a uh, big. Biggest favorite on the card here. I got Romanov at minus six hundred. Vandera plus four fifty. Last time we saw Vandera, he was uh, actually beating up Justin Taffa. Um, I don't remember when we last saw Romanov. Oh, Roki Martinez, maybe. Is that no? Uh, we saw him. No, Whitaker Gaslam. Uh, Juan Espino. Yep. Yeah, that sounds right. Juan Espino. Yeah. Did that right. fight end in a draw or in a something weird happen there? No, I'm pretty sure. I, no, Romanov got the win. I, I'm almost positive. Okay. But, uh, I couldn't remember. Um, but either way, big favorite here. I know he's a pretty hyped up prospect. 
And uh, I don't know. I guess uh, I guess I kind of slept on Jared Vandero last fight, so I'm kind of thinking. I'm not thinking take a flyer on it, um, but I'm just thinking uh, maybe he's probably getting underestimated a little bit again. What are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, I, I agree here. I think uh, when I first saw it, I thought the line was going to be closer. When I when I actually looked at it and saw he's minus six hundred, I thought it would be closer because we've seen you know Vandera. He looked pretty good against Justin Taffa. Um, he lost to Sergey Spivak, which isn't great. Um, and I think he lost him through ground and pound. So Sergey Spivak was able to get him down and, and beat him up. Uh, then um, we should see the same here in this fight. So, I mean, I think Romanov is, is a pretty solid pick here for some parlays. Although Jared Vandera, his stand-up looked better than I thought. Um, I thought Romanov against, uh, who was his last fight again? It was Juan Espino. Uh, Juan Espino. I thought... I thought Juan Espino, if I remember correctly, had some moments there in the stand-up before Romanov started dominating. So, um, you know, Jared Vandera, he can he's kind of slow, but he's kind of slick at the same time. Uh, but I think uh, I think Romanov will be able to figure him out. I think he'll finish him uh, with ground and pound, end of second, early third. All right, he is the biggest favorite on the card, and I think he's been a, he's been a big favorite a couple times. Um, Phil Hawes, Duran win. Phil Hawes minus 320, Deron Wynn plus 260. You know my stance on Deron Wynn. I'm never picking Deron Wynn. What are your thoughts on this fight? Um, once So the uh, the weird thing with the Juan Espino fight, it was a technical split decision. Yeah. So I remember there was something. Ju- what does a technical split decision mean? It. I think it is that one draw... Uh, I can't really remember. But, uh, <laughs> I don't know how that I know works. That it's it is something weird how it comes out, how that comes out. But uh, yeah. So, but anyways, that doesn't really matter too much. We'll take it on to the next one. So yeah, Darren Wynn versus Phil uh, Phil Hawes. Yeah, I mean Phil Hawes. You got to go with Phil Hawes here. I mean, yeah, Darren Wynn. He he's got the wrestling we've seen. He's just not that good. He's too short. He's too stocky. Um, Phil Hawes. He is also an accomplished wrestler yep. as well. I don't think he's gonna quite on Darren Duran Wynn's level with the wrestling, but I think he is good enough to kind of neutralize Duran Wynn there. I don't foresee Duran Wynn just being able to take him down at will and, and get the victory that way. So I mean, I think Phil Hawes, as we saw um, in Phil Hawes's last fight, uh, who was that against? It was was it against Dawkins. Dawkins, I, I think. think. Yeah, I think it was against Dawkins. Oh, uh, he I also mean, had a fight against. Uh... No, it was Dawkins because remember his hair was falling out because he bleached it yep, too much. Yeah. Exactly. We saw in his last fight versus Dawkins. I mean, his stand-up looked pretty good. He was able to kind of, you know, um, neutralize the takedown throw from Dawkins and and wasn't really able to get his game plan going. He was able to win there. I think it'll be similar against Deron Wynn. I think he'll be able to uh, get the better of the striking exchanges, and uh, I think he'll be able to keep it standing and he'll get the victory here. Yeah, I just I cannot pick Deron Wynn. Like he's Phil Hawes is plus three twenty, and I I like I I like it at that. Even it's. Deron Wynn is on my uh, auto-fade list, even though he won his last fight, maybe, against Antonio Arroyo, who's been since cut. Um, so, uh, Next up, though, we got uh, Sabina Mazo versus a uh, name we haven't said in a while, Maria Agapova. We got Maria Agapova plus 147, Sabina Mazo minus 167. I've seen Mazo fight. I just don't know how to line it up against Agapova. So I don't know how to what my take or my breakdown on this would be. Um, I just know that it seems like uh, Maria Agapova has a ton of talent, 
but maybe hasn't all been realized. I don't know. Maybe she's inconsistent. We've seen her look great. We've seen her look not so great. Hard to say whether she's got her cardio cardio issues and whatever other issues under control. So maybe that's playing into the line a little bit. What are your thoughts on how uh, she ended up basically being a one 150 underdog here? Yeah, I was kind of surprised when I saw this line. I saw Maria Agapova being plus 140 to plus 150 underdog, depending on the book. Um, you know, I thought this was going to be close to an even fight. I mean, if it was before we saw the cardio issues, I think Agapova would have been favored by quite a bit in this fight. Um, but, uh, and Sabina Mazzo should be a big underdog, but, uh, you know, recent things have happened. Maria Agapova showed that if she doesn't get the finish, she empties her gas tank completely. But here's the thing. Um, Maria Agapova, she's young and these fighters, when they come out and they just completely dominate, uh, early, they start getting cocky. They start getting a little too confident and they just think they're going to be able to steamroll everybody by just going out there and emptying the gas tank early. Uh, and when it doesn't happen, they find themselves in a world of hurt. Uh, it usually goes two ways after that. They figure it out. You know, they start training and making sure they stay under control or able to go all three rounds or, you know, they kind of do more of the same and, and it, and it kills them. I think Maria Agapova, she's young. She seemed very talented. I think she's going to learn from the, uh, from those mistakes. Uh, and she is going to come out and, uh, you know, I think she's still going to be pretty wild, but I think she's going to rein it in a little bit. You know, she only has that one loss for Shayna Thompson prior to that. She, you know, was an absolute, you know, tornado there. Um, so I think, uh, I think usually a young fighter like uh, Agapova that a loss like that will, uh, you know, they get, you know, they don't want that ever to happen again. I mean, they can't seem like there's much worse things in a fight than just not being able to move because you're so tired and getting the shit beat out of you. So, you know, I, I assume you never want that to happen again. So, I mean, as long as Agapova is able to go three rounds, I, I don't see her losing this fight. So, yeah, I'm going to be on Maria Agapova here. I mean, it is a question mark. It's not like a super confident pick, but I think, uh, you know, if she can get that just like if she can rein it in a little bit and get it under control to be able to stretch it out a little bit more, she should get the win. She should be able to get the first two rounds in the bag at least. So, yeah, I'm with you there. If, if all things go uh, go as planned, she's also at ATT or she was last I knew. So you have to assume she's at least in the right place to get things uh, figured out. So that uh, gives you a little confidence too. So seems like that should uh, that should um, make you feel a little better about that pick. Uh, Randy Brown versus uh, Jared Gooden. Jared Gooden plus 185. Uh, Randy Brown minus 225. Uh, Randy Brown was his last fight against Vicente Luque. No, it was uh, Alex Oliveira. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, he was on the Usman Masvidal 2 card. Um, yeah, he finished. Uh, that was his. He submitted Alex Oliveira. Um, yeah, I mean, Randy Brown's a guy I think I've always kind of liked him. Uh, he's lost some bad fights, he's won some good fights. Um, Obviously, 225 favorite here. What's your uh, breakdown on this one? Yeah, I mean, I really like Randy Brown here. Um, uh, he's going to be on a lot of my parlays, I think, this week. I mean, you know, minus 225, minus 245, whatever he is at the books you're betting. Uh, but, you know, that's not something I'm really going to be putting, you know, 245 or 225 on to win 100. So, but I am going to have him on parlays. I think that, you know, he'll be a decent boost to it. I think he, you know, I do not see him losing to Jared Gooden. I mean, he does seem like it, he can have some issues like with the chin a little bit. I mean, he got he got clipped in the Vicente Luque fight. He got knocked down around two. The Nico Price fight, um, he lost from within top position. But yeah. um, other than that, I mean, he seems pretty solid. So 
Um, yeah, I, I really like uh, Randy Rude Boy Brown in this fight. All right, there you have it. And hopefully by now you've come to your conclusion. Got our main event, Mackenzie Dern versus Marina Rodriguez. Mackenzie Dern minus 165. Marina Rodriguez plus 145. Rodriguez kind of been on a streaking run lately. Uh, Mackenzie Dern also been on a, a solid run. They're both pretty uh, on top of their game right now. Um, I mean, I've seen... I, I, I've been kind of like the guy that always picks against Mackenzie Dern. I've done it too many too many times. I'm not out ahead on that one. I've been right once or twice and wrong a bunch. Um, it's hard for me to pick against Marina Rodriguez for how she's looked lately, though, so I don't know. I'm in the same boat as you, uh, Who? but who are you uh, going with? Uh, yeah, on this one, I mean, we got two, two kind of possibilities here in this fight, it, and it all comes down to is Mackenzie Dern able to get the, the takedowns here or not? Is Marina Rodriguez able to stop them? I mean, if Mackenzie Dern is able to get her to the ground, I think she's going to get the submission here versus, uh, versus um, Marina Rodriguez. But if she's not, and I, that's the that's the reason I I struggle with this one so much. I mean, it's Marina Rodriguez. She hasn't shown to have very good takedown defense. She gets taken down, but she gets back up. Um, Mackenzie Dern's not somebody you can, you can risk getting onto the ground with really. She is, you know, for all the flaws in her game here, she is pretty solid once it gets to the ground. I mean, she submits people pretty quickly, uh, but you have Marina Rodriguez who is dangerous. I mean, she throws that lead leg kick really well. She kind of disables her opponents and then she's able to, um, land quite a bit. She's good from the Muay Thai clinch. I, I don't think she should use that too much in this fight. You risk the takedowns, the trips versus Mackenzie Dern. Um, but she's got the length. Uh, her striking is pretty solid. She doesn't really have one-punch knockout power, but she once she gets going, uh, it's kind of like a Diaz brother type thing. Once they start landing on you over and over again, people fall. So, um, man, it, it, this is a close one. Um, I just, I, it's really tough. I really don't know which way I'm going. So, Brain's kind of been telling me, like, you got to go with Mackenzie Dern here. But I just have – I like Marina Rodriguez, though. But that hasn't been going very well when uh, I've been making these picks as of recently. Um, so uh, I think I'm going to take Mackenzie Dern here. That could be that could be changing, though. It, I, I'm going to watch a few fights here and see. I just – it's like Marina Rodriguez, her takedown defense has not been great. I know – but the, the other thing is Mackenzie Dern's offensive wrestling isn't good it's whatsoever. It's terrible. So – it's absolutely awful. So, if, I mean, she was getting taken. Marina Rodriguez, she's getting taken down a bunch against Carla Esparza, Cynthia Calvillo, Tisha Torres, who are, you know, of the better wrestlers in the division. Um, you know, I don't know if Mackenzie Dern is able to get it there. If she's not, yeah, never mind. I'm going I'm going Marina Rodriguez. We're changing it All back right. here. Um, yeah, I'm going with, I'm going with the heart. Uh, and going here with um, my girl Marina Rodriguez, uh, she's one of my favorite fighters. She's exciting. She, you know, she gets the win. She beat Amanda Hibas when everybody had Amanda Hibas as the next big thing. I mean, that's the thing here that Mackenzie Dern, her offensive wrestling is so bad that she just shoots from across the octagon. She doesn't really set it up takedowns whatsoever. And I think against a kind of precision striker, Marina Rodriguez, if she's not setting up her takedowns. Uh, Marina Rodriguez is going to take advantage of it and uh, and get the win, but this is one I'm not confident in whatsoever. Um, honestly, on parlays, I might put Mackenzie Dern on some of them just to hedge it out on uh, Marina Rodriguez as the underdog if it comes down to it. But uh, 
Yeah, so I mean, it's really close. You kind of get the idea of what I'm trying to say here. If Mackenzie Dern's able to get those takedowns, if Marina Rodriguez isn't able to stop him uh, or get back up quickly, then she could have her way with her on the ground. If uh, Marina Rodriguez is able to take out that lead leg, stop the takedowns, kind of keep Mackenzie Dern at distance, she's going to have you know a clear advantage on the feet. Although Mackenzie Dern, we have seen, she starts winging punches. She has power. So, uh, But I, I don't think she's going to knock out Marina Rodriguez, though. So we'll go Marina Rodriguez here as the underdog. Uh, you know, parlays kind of consider, you know, usually like to have a, a favorite in the main event if you're putting that on the parlays. Um, so, but I think the majority of my parlays, maybe I'll even leave this fight off completely. I'll end them with Randy Brown and that that's a better hedging spot anyway. So. All right. So that's it. The picks are in just a matter of, uh, seeing how the fights play out now. Any other fights on here that, uh, worth taking a look at? I don't know. I didn't see any, I should say, when I looked uh, looked earlier. No, I mean, there was the Tim Elliott versus uh, Matthias Nicolau. Matthias Nicolau. Uh, that should be a decent fight. I, I think I'd, I'd lean towards Nicolau in that one. Tim Elliott, he kind of ha- has been on a resurgence here, but uh, a little bit. But uh, I think Nicolau is going to be able to to get the W there. Uh, Tim Elliott, he just, he gasses early. Some, I mean, we've seen sometimes now lately he doesn't gas, but most of the time he does. And uh, yeah, I think I'd be leaning towards Nicolau on that one. Uh, other than that, no, there's not a ton on this card besides the, the fights we saw. We get to see uh, Charlie Ontiveros see if he can <laughs> redeem himself after the Kevin Holland loss. Uh, but uh, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Yep, and then we got another one. We got one more, one more week of fight nights, and uh, two more weeks of fight nights, and then we got back-to-back pay-per-views. So uh, we're in a pretty good place right now. I'm sure there'll be some good fights this weekend, and uh, if nothing else, maybe we'll just stay hot on our picks and keep uh, keep keep the winning going. Yeah, I hope so. One other thing, little shout out to Kevin Holland. I'm sure you saw the story. I uh, chased down a, a car thief and apprehended him. Oh yeah. Um, and uh yeah basically put him in a scarf hold and then put him there until the cops came i mean one thing i wanted to point out is anthony smith you got to take notes this is how (laughs) you handle and apprehend criminals um you got to take some notes here from kevin holland and uh you know next time someone breaks into your house you know what to do yeah either take notes from him or take notes from Derek lewis one or the other those are your two options from uh from guys you need to take notes on how to how to stop a criminal but um yeah so that That'll do it for us then, though. We'll be back next week to uh, recap. Hopefully we stay hot. Good luck on your picks, and uh, enjoy the violence, and we'll see you all next week. Peace.
was trying to bang you for a night. What? It's okay, I bounce back, watch me do my thing. It's okay, I got my shit hogging up the lane. It's okay, I'm a boss, I can make it rain. It's okay, you get fucked with me. Watch me turn it down. Got the whole club leaning with it And body rocking drunk 